the acceleration in AI in the last five months has been intense. Case Text just announced a, a basically a legal assistant that does legal research for you and writes legal memos for you. Like it can write briefs for you. Okay. The speed of adoption of chat GPT is exponentially faster than Facebook ever was. So when it comes, it's going to come fast. And if you're not able to stand out and to have the, the access to the clients, it's going to be everything access to the clients and a way to get the clients is going to be everything because almost everything else is going to become a commodity. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. I am your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Now, today we'll be combining forces with another terrific legal podcast as we welcome two or, or the two creators of the Maximum Lawyer, attorneys Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. In this episode, we're going to be learning all about the origins of Maximum Lawyer. And of course, we'll be asking Jim and Tyson to share some of their top law office management tips. We have a lot to cover, so I got to get right into it. Thank you both for joining us today. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about your individual law careers and, and also how you, how, you, uh, how you got to know each other? Jimmy, you go first. So my name is Jim Hacking. I'm an immigration lawyer in St. Louis, Missouri. I've been practicing law. It'll be 25 years this uh, October. And I was a general practice commercial litigator for two years. Then I was a maritime lawyer for 10 years. And I've been practicing immigration or for eight years or so. Then I've been practicing immigration law for 15 years. So um, my wife is originally from Egypt. We met in law school. Um, she moved to the States when she was seven. Um, and after law school, I changed my religion. I converted to Islam and the Muslims were always asking me to help them with immigration matters. And I would always try to refer them to other immigration lawyers. Those immigration lawyers would tell me they were too busy not to send them any more cases. I thought that would be a good problem to have. And I wanted to have my own firm. So I went to my wife when we had two and a half kids and she's, and I said, I really, really want to open my own firm. It's been my lifelong dream. And she said, funny, that's interesting because we've known each other for 10 years and you've never told me that. So um, she wanted me to do a binder and to come up with a plan to like what the law firm was going to look like. So I worked on that for about seven months, which I never actually used. I just did it to make her happy so that she'd let me open the law firm. We opened the law firm and I thought I would do all kinds of law for immigrants, like car accidents for immigrants, wills for immigrants, and then learn immigration for immigrants. But it became clear pretty quickly that the need was really with immigration. So uh, in, in 2012, we started focusing exclusively on immigration. And then around that time, um, I was teaching a class at St. Louis University School of Law on law practice management. I was asked to teach it one summer because the the regular professor was out for the summer. And, and that's where I met Tyson. It's a good, it's a good segue. Um, so my, my career was a little bit different than Jimmy's. Um, so I, I knew in the first, first, I guess, semester, second semester of law school that I wanted to try cases. So, um, I, I also knew that I wanted to, um, open my own firm at some point, but I had worked for a volume injury firm in St. Louis 
and um, that abruptly ended one day. And uh, so I, I started my firm a little bit earlier than what I had planned. And um, I started doing criminal defense and personal injury, uh, criminal defense just because uh, I had to pay some bills and then personal injury because it was what I was used to, what I knew. I didn't know really hardly I knew some about criminal defense because one of the partners at uh, the firm I worked for, he did criminal defense. Um, so I learned a little bit. And so I was able to do that for, I, I did that until about 2017, 2018. And then I, I gave up on that um, just because I, I just wanted to focus on personal injury. And um, it was, it's, it's one of those things where I, I've, I've similar to Jim, I've, I've had a partner uh, that we, 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 we're no longer partners, but I've done the whole partnership thing. Didn't work out. wasn't for me. Um, and then I'd say over the last five, six years, we've I've seen probably uh, the the best growth I've seen since I've started my firm. And it was 2011, whenever I, I first started that firm, uh, and it's uh, it's been exponential growth. It's been you know, just. I've seen more growth than what I expected. It was, it's kind of crazy once you start focusing on one practice area and one practice area only, which I'm sure Jim has experienced the same thing, that once you've niched down, um, things change quite a bit for your firm. I just, I think it comes out next week. I had a conversation with um, Chris Dreyer about niching down your firm and how you think like, oh, it's going to be, I'm going to get less work. and But it's not necessarily the case. If you're an expert, you obviously, more people will want to come to you. Um, so I want to talk about maximum lawyer because I mean, you both have successful separate careers. Can you take us through the history of maximum lawyer about the origins, how it's grown? Like, how, how did you two start this? So we were having lots of conversations about running our law firms, about the headaches, the heartaches, the, the fun and the, the pain of running a law firm and, um, around this time, I was listening pretty regularly to a great podcast called I Love Marketing, and I thought it would be fun for us to start recording our conversations. And we used to do them on Skype, and some of our older issues, uh, older episodes probably have background noise of trains going by or construction out on the street. Um, we It was a pretty low-budget deal, but uh, at first, we just started talking to each other, and then the nice thing about the podcast was as we started um, bringing on experts to help us figure out things that we were trying to work on in our own firm. So we sort of created the podcast podcast that we needed for ourselves. Yeah. And I'll just add on to that. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Um, just thinking about it. Cause we, we've been asked this a few times and it's kind of fun to go back every time and think about it. Cause and it's, I always pick up extra things every time I think about it. I don't know about you, Jim, but like whenever we kind of like talk about like the origin of, of maximum lawyer and um, some of the things that Jim left out is that he was the brainchild for the name of maximum lawyer. Um, we were all brainstorming uh, in a conference room. We had another, another partner at the time and, and James came, uh, Jim, J I almost called you James. Uh, Jim came up with the name of uh, maximum lawyer and his, cause he was working on at the time, <clears throat> maximum Jim, he was trying to improve himself. And so he's like, Oh, what about maximum lawyers? It was like, it was, it was perfect timing for coming up with the name of it. But I also think back to, you know, I, I, I sat in his class and he brought all these other people in and it's funny how like he brought other, he essentially what Jim's style was, let's bring in other people to teach the class. And so he, he would bring in for each class, he'd bring in a new, a new attorney to teach something. I and mean, it was a really effective way. And it's very similar to what we've done on the podcast too. 
Um, but he and I had run into each other at a Culver's. We had not talked for, for a, we had not like run into each other and seen each other for a little bit. And we ran into each, uh, into each other at a Culver's. And that's whenever we started uh, to start to talk again about uh, running a law practice and, had, and brainstorming all these ideas. And they're like, Oh, let's do the podcast. And so it was, it was, that's really what it was. And Jim's right. It was a, um, it was to help our own firms. It was really, we wanted to talk about things that were, were helping us. And that's, that's been a massive benefit for the two of us because we, we get to talk to fantastic law firm owners. We get to talk to fantastic business owners, but we also get to talk to people that are struggling and seeing what they're doing wrong. And we can kind of adjust what we're doing based on what kind of what we hear. So it's been a really cool experience for both of us. We've been able to learn quite a bit. I love the story of, uh, of naming the podcast. So when we went to name, we wanted to start a podcast. We, we knew, so I'm not a lawyer and nobody that works here is a lawyer. We were like, what can we talk about? What, what value can we offer lawyers? Well, we know a lot about marketing and we have a lot of connections. So we get people on the show. We're like, what are we going to name this thing if we can't talk about the law? And uh, I think Joe is the one who named it. Joe Galati, my colleague. It's like, why don't we talk about everything except the law? And that's just where it came from. We had all these crazy uh, witty names, level up your law firm, things like that. And it was just, we, we don't know anything about what we're talking about. So we can't talk about that. Uh, I want to ask you about the, the group. So obviously the maximum lawyer Facebook group, I, it has to be, uh, either the most popular or, or among the most extremely popular groups, um, for attorneys to get feedback from their peers. So did you ever imagine that the group, uh, would become this successful when you first started it? And, and why do you think lawyers are so comfortable engaging in this space? Well, I'm a little surprised in the success in as to how it's used um, more than anything, because the initial idea for the group was just create a community for our listeners to kind of hang out and talk and, and, and talk to each other. I, I think now it's used mostly as like a resource for information about things, um, whether that be the, the we kind of joke like. Like you can kind of go in there and figure out like, what's, what's the best scanner or what's the, what's like every, every week there's a new one about like, well, what's the best answering service, you know, like, so you can get information like that and make your own decision. Um, so I'm a little surprised as to how it's used now. I think, um, I think that the way the guild is used is much more similar, uh, to the way the big group used to be. So we, we kind of differentiate the two between the big group and, and the guild, and so I, I'm a little surprised when it comes to that. I, I, I'm not surprised by the number of people in it. Um, I, it's one of those things where we've, we've been putting out good content. Um, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that we've been putting out, uh, good content for six, seven years now. And so I'm not surprised by that, but I, I am surprised by how it's been used though. We um, very actively kick people out that have a negative outlook or that are <laughs> complaining about things. And I think that's really helped. I also think that. Uh, running a law firm is a pretty isolated, isolating um, activity that no one knows the pressures of the law firm owner other than other law firm owners or maybe other business owners. And there's things that you can say to each other in the Facebook group that you wouldn't be able to say to your team members. And some of our best episodes are the ones where we're the most vulnerable or the most real and talking about the things that really suck. And I think that people um, were just looking for connection and we're looking for um, people that are going through the same thing. And so we started the Facebook group and then all of a sudden people started participating. And when they started participating, then, you know, you started having friends around the country who 
um, may not even practice the same kind of area of law that you do, but that you feel a real connection to because they told you about a struggle. They told you about something they overcame. And so we started this group and then, you know, we had, oh, there's Bernard in Alabama and there's, uh, I mean, I could name seven attorneys right now from Alabama, Kyra, Mo, um, Kristen. So there's all kinds. So we have all these and I, you know, I can see them and picture them. And then we had our first conference and it was like, oh, these people that I know electronically now I know in real life. And so it was just really, really organic, but it was also really, really tapping into a need that I think people were having. So same breath. Uh, what would you say is some of the most fun or interesting interactions that you've had with other attorneys or, or members of Maximum Lawyer? Well, we had one well, podcast one episode episodes. where somebody was either drunk or high. So that was that was a lot of fun. We, we think about that one often. Um, who, I think who was drunk? The guest? The guest. Yes, the okay. guest. I think it was after a long weekend of University of Florida football and the person was not making a whole lot of sense. <laughs> um, um, but it was, it was fun nonetheless. I mean, we've had, we've had a lot of good experiences. We've had ones where we we've done them by ourselves. I enjoy talking to Tyson, just he and I, um, we've had the opportunity to meet great lawyers, um, face to face and to, uh, hear their stuff. So I don't know, Tyson, what do you think? Which ones stand out for you? Yeah, I'm thinking about a few different things. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it from both ends of the spectrum, like um, the negative and the positive. I mean, like I, they're like on the negative side. I'll, I'll get, I'll get that one first. In general, tell you, I'm not a negative person, but like there is a, <clears throat> they're like lawyers can be children. Like they can act like ch children sometimes because Jim's right. Like we, 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 we definitely do take care when it comes to the group, making sure that we don't have. Um, abusive people in the group and people that are just there to, to troll people and all that. So we, we pick them out and it's kind of interesting to see people from that end of the spectrum. But then on the other end of the spectrum, it's amazing that like people are there to like learn and like get information and share mm -hmm. information and seeing people that are crying because they're, they're, they're not going to be able to make, make their mortgage next week. Um, that person and then seeing them in like three years, like seeing where they've grown to and seeing like how they've got like a, a massively successful firm. And I'm not going to mention who that person is, but there are, there are several of those stories. And that's what I think is cool is watching them go from like, just, just in a really, really tough spot to then getting to like a, a highly successful law firm. Like those are the, that's the stuff that I think is really just remarkable. I, I want to ask you because I think you, you this is one of those things that I, I can't really ask a lot of people because no one really sees the back end. I think of the financials of a law firm like you guys do. So recently on your podcast, you covered the six worst financial mistakes that lawyers can make. Um, we'll let people go check out the episodes. I'm going to put that link to that in the description. But while you're here, I wanted to ask you, what's the biggest financial mistake that you guys have made? that you want to warn people against early on in your careers? My first piece of advice for anyone opening a law firm now is always to get their chart of accounts squared away and to get a bookkeeper involved from day one. It's much easier to do that than to do what I did, which was I used to walk around and proudly brag, ha ha ha, I'm a history major. I'm a lawyer. I don't need to know my numbers. I don't need to pay attention to all that stuff. I'm in it to help people. I'm not in it to make money or to make payroll, right? And so 
just sort of this sort of entitled little worldview of, well, things will work themselves out. I don't really need to pay attention to it. That's, that was all a bunch of BS. You've got to know your numbers. You got to know if you're making money. I almost drove the firm into the ground because I took my eye off signing up new cases and hopefully I'll never make that mistake again. I've had to um, clean up prior bookkeeper mistakes twice uh, with two other bookkeepers, mostly because of my lack of follow through on that stuff. So that's been my biggest mistake is just sort of the, the hubris of thinking everything will work itself out if I just keep, keep going. And I'll just add to that. Um, it's, it's not necessarily when it comes to the chart of the, of accounts, but you need to have a system, um, for handling your money. So I, I highly recommend like reading like a book, like profit first, like, so have, because just because you have, let's say you have $50,000 in your bank account, just because you have $50,000 in your bank account doesn't mean that that's your money, right? You, you're going to owe the IRS, you're going to owe state taxes, all that kind of stuff. So having a system for things like that, where you're putting your money in buckets, um, it, it is really, really important. That way you actually know how much money you actually have as opposed to like what you're going to owe to other people. And so just, in, for example, let's say you owe money for, for, you know, firm bonuses or something like that, have a bucket for that because that way, you know, okay, this money's for firm bonuses. This is for owner's compensation. This is for, for taxes, whatever it may be. Okay. This is the part that I have to work with here and having some system like that. And it, it doesn't have to be propped first. I'm sure there's other really good systems out there, but using a system like that is really effective for you knowing actually what money you have to work with. We will be right back after this short ad. Who doesn't want to be a successful attorney with a busy practice, but still have that life? Having those lunch breaks, playing golf, going on vacation, answering legal allows you to. I really just don't have a need for a receptionist anymore. I've used answering legal services for the past two years, and I wish I retained answering legal 10 years earlier. Answering legal is an extension of my firm. It allows lawyers and paralegals to actually work without answering the phone. Anytime I leave this office, I know my business is still running. Sometimes we're in court or we're dealing with other clients. And because of Answering Legal, my partner and I are able to address any client concerns or any new clients immediately. And it's really increased our business. If you wish to enhance your client base, improve your client satisfaction, and at the same time, reduce your overhead, then hire Answering Legal. I'm sure that your group, I'm sure through your group, you see a lot of fellow attorneys making some very, I don't know, head scratching or, or like, uh, I don't know, frustrating mistakes. What, what what's the most common lawyer marketing mistake that you see that just like drives you crazy the most? I want to take this one first, Jim. That's, I think it's, it, I think, I wonder, I wonder if you're going to say the same thing. They stopped doing what they started doing. I don't care what the thing is. You, you name the thing, whatever, the, whatever the marketing thing is, they, they stop after a month or two and they just don't, they're like, Oh, I didn't get any results. So it doesn't work. And so that is the most frustrating thing um, because like it, it, the, the, the most important thing is consistency and you've got to be consistent about it. So that to me is frustrating. They don't stick through, stick with it. Um, and so I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes, if not the biggest mistake. 
For me, it's uh, the lack of giving up of control. Lawyers are control freaks and they keep their firms small and they're afraid to grow because they're afraid to let go of controlling every single thing. I talked to a law firm owner once who was still doing basic bookkeeping, even though he had a firm of like seven people. And I mean, like he was doing the bookkeeping. He was drafting the checks to be signed. He was balancing out the... Um, you know, client trust account, all that stuff. It just made no sense at all. And it's because people, I think people who are tend to be control freaks tend to become lawyers. And then once they're in charge, they don't have any checks on themselves. So that stuff sort of goes into hyperdrive, then they get stressed. So they say, I got to control more. And so they really hold on tightly. And then if they try to step outside their comfort zone and hire someone and it doesn't work the very first time, then they say, oh, that'll never work. I'm never going to do that again. That's really what drives me crazy. So obviously you guys share a lot of great tips through Maximum Lawyer, but I want to I flip things around for a second and ask, what's the most valuable thing that each of you learned from somebody like another attorney in Maximum Lawyer? Yeah, for me, two of our great mentors are Mitch Jackson and John Fisher. And um, John Fisher is the author of two great books, the first one being The Power of a System. And that book sort of helped me see that I really needed to systematize things, that I had a lot of things in my head of how we do things, and I needed to get that nailed down and into paper or procedures. And then with Mitch, uh, he taught me about the importance of being everywhere um, when it comes to social media and, and not being afraid to create content, to regularly create content, to publish content on a regular basis and to, to, to sort of have a voice and say what I want to say. Man, I, I'm struggling with this one because there's just so many good things we've learned over the years. Um, and I, I guess if there's one lesson I've learned overall and not from one, one specific person is that, um, like there's a lot of power in in just the the podcast in general when it comes to reaching out to so many different people and connecting with so many different people and like having that network of people is just so massively important because because of the work that we've done over the last six, seven years, uh, like we have, like we can reach out in any single state. I think Hawaii would be the toughest one, um, or Alaska maybe, but we can reach like, like you, you, like I'll send a text to Jim, like, Hey, uh, estate planning attorney in, I don't know, New Jersey or something like that. We, I, I know several in that state, but if I can give whatever, whatever practice area it is and whatever, like whatever state, there's a list of people that we have that we can connect to. And it's just, it's really incredible. So, um, it's, I think that that's the thing that, that sort of stands out the most to me. I, I can't think of a, a one particular lesson that I've learned from, from, from someone, but we've, cause there's just been so many. I think that's a fair answer. Uh, I'm curious because I asked this of, I usually ask lawyers that come on the show, what, what the, what they think like the future of law, uh, will be what they're excited about. But I think as someone who talks to so many lawyers, you actually do have a fundamental understanding of where things are heading based on like patterns that you'll see of, uh, of new things that come out. So what, what do you think is next on the horizon for the future of law? Like what, what, what excites you? What concerns you the most? What's, what's the next, I don't know, big thing. 
I think this is an obvious one. I think it's one that we're that we're dealing with right now. Um, and all right, it is it is now March of 2023. All right, it's almost the end of it. Right, ChatGPT launched in November. Okay, and the acceleration in AI in the last five months has been intense. Case Text just announced a a basically a legal assistant that does legal research for you and writes legal memos for you like it can write briefs for you okay it is intense right and so that is just those are those are just things that have developed over the last five months and so i think it's i think that i think if we didn't mention that i think we would be negligent in doing so it's that is where we are right now and i I, I do think that there is somewhat, there should be a little bit of a concern that if you don't utilize it, you could be left behind. I, I'm not one of those alarmists that says it's going to destroy the law because attorneys are going to be necessary, right? There was already a lawsuit about a, a bot practicing law. Someone's already filed a lawsuit about, a lawsuit about that. So um, there, a lawyer is going to be necessary, but if you're not utilizing artificial intelligence in some capacity, um, you're going to be left behind. And it's it's what it's going to allow you to do is get a lot more work done in a shorter amount of time. And it's going to save your clients money. It's probably going to lower your cost because you're going to need less people to do it. Um, so I do think there's a general workforce problem and not just legal, but it, I think it could reduce a lot of jobs. But I think there's also other jobs that will that will develop because of that. But I think I think the AI is a is a massive one um that that we've got to keep an eye on travel agents used to have all of the secret ways of getting people cheap plane tickets real estate agents used to have the mls and they had exclusive access to all the information about the buying and selling of houses um, over time we've seen websites sort of knock most travel agents out of business. They're still successful travel agents, ones who do what they do and do it very well, but they've really had to perfect their craft. With real estate, people have more information at their fingertips than any agent did five or 10 years ago, right? You can find out anything you want about a particular house or particular piece of property. That too has gotten faster and faster as more information has become available. Lawyers have been doing everything they can to keep the general public from figuring out what it is that we do and how we do it and setting up this monopoly called the practice of law. And it's starting to get chipped away at in states like Utah and Arizona, that stuff's coming. That stuff's coming. And if you don't pay attention to chat GPT for all the reasons Tyson just mentioned, you should pay attention to it for one reason. And that is the speed of adoption. It's the speed of adoption of chat GPT is exponentially faster than Facebook ever was. So when it comes, it's going to come fast. And if you're not able to stand out and to have the, the access to the clients, it's going to be everything. Access to the clients and a way to get the clients is going to be everything because almost everything else is going to become a commodity. I, so I'm not an alarmist either. I remember when everybody, so I was big into SEO for a while. I'm a marketing guy. And I remember voice search. Everybody's telling me voice search is going to replace regular search. And I said, ah, no, it's not. And for the most part, I was kind of right. And then they said, all these things are going to come out. The Google ads is going to kill search. This is going to kill search. And uh, when ChatGPT came out, everybody's telling me, oh, ChatGPT, it's going to write content. It's going to do this. And I'm like, no, it's not. And it is. And a lot of like Bing, Microsoft just launched their own ChatGPT. Uh, I know Google is giving people access to Bard, which is the beta for theirs. 
and I have a buddy who runs a, it's like an anti-bullying charity organization. And for whatever reason, he posted an essay that Bard had wrote about his, uh, it was sort of like a press release about what he's doing. And I read it. And at the end, I couldn't tell whether or not a person had written. Now, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't like a compelling article that it was just very, um, but it was cohesive. It made sense. It built on previous points. And it, it looked as if a human could write this. So I imagine that the implications of writing legal briefs is not that far away. I do also imagine that it could provide more jobs, like the people who are specializing in creating briefs or outsourcing these briefs for lawyer briefs, memos, filings, whatever that you need written up. Um, do you guys know of anybody who's use, utilizing this sort of thing yet? Or is it still like, uh, I don't know, is it still too a little too early? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I know that we're using it in our firm to, to develop content. I'm not going to tell you exactly why uh, or how, because it's, um, it's pretty, I think what we're doing is pretty amazing. What I'm doing over here is I'm pulling, I'm pulling up case text, right? Um, and they're, that this is a something that they're only they're kind of limiting who gets access to it right now mm-hmm. but they've got this co-counsel and i'm just i just pulled up this chat that i did earlier and i was we got an email from an adjuster and there's something called a set off and yada, yada i'm not gonna go into the details but i asked it to go find me the case law on this uh and and then it actually asked me clarifying info for clarifying information wow. i gave it back it went and gave me all the information all the cases and it took me about five minutes total um, as opposed to digging through a bunch of different cases and reading through those cases. And it, I mean, that was just one thing that I did today and I just started it today, right? Cause our buddy, Ryan McKean, um, he mentioned it, someone else had mentioned it, uh, in the, in the guild. And then Ryan, Ryan McKean had tweeted about it on, on Twitter. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to test this thing out. And it's, it is quite impressive. Um, and the, the, one of the major problems with chat GPT is that it doesn't provide the citations. I've got all the citations right now. If I want, if I wanted it to write me a memo, it would write me a memo. And so it's, it is. So that's one example I can give you. But there's, you can get, you can create right now. I can take all of the content from this podcast, um, and I could tell all the videos for me and Jim, and I could create using AI. I could upload our videos. I could upload our audio, and we could start producing if we wanted to podcast after podcast after podcast about a variety of different topics. And it wouldn't even be mere gem. Um, like that's what you can do right now. Like that is what you can do right this very minute. So it is, it's quite crazy. The things you can do. Kind of alarming. (laughs) (laughs) So if our listeners are not already connected with maximum lawyer, how can they connect with you guys further? And I know you mentioned the guild. Um, how can they, how can they access the guild as well? Tyson knows how to Tyson knows how to explain it because he explains it at the end of every episode. Yeah, so uh, if you if you want more information, you can join us on the big Facebook group. Go to just go to Facebook and search Maximum Lawyer. You join us there. If you want want a more high level conversation, go to maxlawguild.com. And um, that's where we've got it's it's a membership group where we've got a lot of just amazing members that are willing to share really all their secrets uh, in the group. And it's it's pretty amazing. So if you want to if you want that, go to maxlawguild.com. If you want to just find out more information about Maximum Lawyer in general, go to maximumlawyer.com. Awesome. Uh, 
I'd like to thank both both you guys, Jim and uh, Tyson, for joining me on the show today. Thank you to all of our listeners. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation, and we will be back with another episode of Everything Except the Law soon. Be sure to check out previous episodes of our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Answering Legal YouTube channel. As always, links to everything covered in today's conversation can be found in the description of this episode, and we hope to see you next time, everyone. Thanks, Thanks Nick. Nick.